Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Good morning, Connect Church. Hey, let me ask you a question as we get started. What is the most memorable interview you've ever seen on television? Think about that. Now, imagine with me if Oprah called you tomorrow and asked to do an interview with you to talk about your life. Would you do it? Well, for me, I don't think I would do it because I believe my life is pretty boring. I've had some ups and downs and some dramatic things in my life, but for the most part, my life is pretty ordinary. And if you're anything like me, your life is probably not like Prince Harry's life or Meghan Markle's life or uh, have the drama of the royal family. So you would probably decline the interview too because your life is not as interesting as theirs. But what I want to talk about today is even though that our life may not seem interesting, we do, if we are in Christ, have a story to share. If there's anything to remember today, it's this big idea. Every believer has a story to share. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if Jesus has changed you, then you have a story to share. Whether you resonate with the story of the prodigal son or the pious saint who realized that your works can't save you, you have a story to tell if you are a believer. This is not only our big idea, but it's actually the final letter in the blessed strategy of our evangelism from the book that we've been reading and this series that I have the privilege of concluding for you guys. But here's the thing about sharing our stories. We can actually be reluctant to share our stories because it it can be a scary thing. And we often um, think that there's this high bar of sharing our story, that we have to know a lot of theology or scripture. Or maybe that's not it. Maybe you're reluctant to share your story because you don't want to impose your beliefs on someone. Or maybe just sharing your story just makes you feel uncomfortable or there's a lot of pressure with that and you just don't want to share. Whether, whatever your reason may be, I want to inspire you that you don't have to be an eloquent speaker or this brilliant theologian to know your story and to even share it. And today, I want to help you shape your story in such a way to help you feel like you're not imposing your beliefs on someone and actually encourage you to have the confidence to be comfortable in sharing your story as well. That is our goal today. Our stories actually don't need to be in a a thousand word essay or a novel to actually be effective and impactful on someone. We don't need to have this long out, drawn out stories. The stories that we can share about Jesus and how he's changed us can actually be short and simple. The best ones are. If you've ever been in a business or an entrepreneur or in marketing, you know how important that 30 second elevator speech is. And if you don't know what that is, that's that's the chance that, hey, you may run into somebody on the elevator uh, who's very wealthy that can change your life and you have 30 seconds to pitch them your idea. And so you have to know all the highlights of your business, 
all the, the, the perks of your uh, idea and you have 30 seconds to share it. And that's what I want to help you today is to figure out, craft and shape your 30 second elevator speech in a, in, in a way uh, with your story of how Jesus has impacted you. Because you never know when the opportunity to share your story about Jesus with others can happen or present itself as an opportunity. Because we believe that you need to be ready to share because every believer has a story to share. The good news this morning is we actually have a story from the Bible that gives us an example of a person who has a short and simple story about how Jesus has changed him. And we're going to see and meet a man who was a blind beggar who was healed by Jesus in a very crazy, crazy way. And then after he was healed, within moments of that, he was sharing what Jesus had done in his life. And what's fascinating about how this man was, was healed was Jesus was passing by this blind beggar and he saw that he was blind and he stopped. And then he did the craziest thing. He spit on the ground, he made some mud, and then he got that mud and then he rubbed it on the blind man's eyes. And then he said to the blind man, go to a nearby pool and wash yourself. And so the blind beggar did that. He washed himself and then immediately his sight was restored and he went home. And when he returned home, his neighbors saw him and they said, is this the guy that was once blind from birth? What is going on? And they asked him what happened because they realized it was him. And this is what the man said. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. This story today from the Bible matters for us. It's going to be helpful for us too, because his experience with Jesus is not an eloquent speech. He didn't draw up a diagram of how Jesus saved him. He said something very short and simple. He's not even sure how it happened, but he, knew, he knows one thing for sure. Whatever Jesus did, he did so in a way that changed his life forever. And that's like a lot of us watching online today. We know that Jesus has saved us. He's changed us. We don't know exactly how it happened, or maybe we don't even know how to articulate it. But what I want you to know is something incredible happened in your life, and it's worth sharing. And the man in this story knew what happened to him was worth sharing. So much so, when he was continued to ask, uh, when he was continued um, to be asked what happened, he finally said, hey, look, I don't know what happened, but all I know is I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. A short and simple response of how Jesus changed him. And we're going to focus on this man's story because it's going to serve as a template for us. It's going to serve as a framework for us as we shape and share our stories. And there are three parts to this man's story. They're going to help us shape our story as well as we grow into the practice of sharing our stories with Jesus. And if you've read the book Blessed, you're going to be familiar with these three parts because this book um, has these three parts and these three parts originate from this book. And we're just going to take them from this book because, hey, if there's something good, sometimes you don't need to recreate the wheel. So 
we're going to find the three parts from the blessed strategy on crafting our story. And the first part is this, part one, my life before Jesus. Remember when the man said, I was blind, but now I see? That first part of that statement makes his story compelling because he leads with what his life was before he experienced this encounter with Jesus, before Jesus gave him sight. This man was born blind. That meant he spent all of his life up until that moment of the healing blind. But even more than that, he was a beggar. And he was a beggar because he likely could not earn a living because of his ailment, because of his disability. And so he had to depend on the charity of others. So when Jesus healed him, he healed him in a helpless state. He changed everything about his life. He was blind, but now he can see. And knowing what your life was like before Jesus is important in shaping your story because it helps the listener, the person hearing the story, the person you're sharing the story with, it helps them understand who you were before Jesus. It also paints a picture of your deep need for Jesus. It shows your desperation. It shows your helpless state. And lastly, it helps you be authentic. We connect with other people and uh, we connect with other people when we show uh, vulnerability and the authenticity of our lives. We've all seen it. Um, we've seen fitness and weight loss programs. And what do they like to show? They like to show before and after pictures. Why? Because it shows the effect effectiveness of their programs. And one of my favorite before and after pictures are right, right here on the screen. Look at this dude. <laughs> if you look up pretty close, it's actually the same picture. He just does a little Photoshop, some bad Photoshop. Maybe he did it on Microsoft Paint. But anyway, I think that's hilarious. But the reason why those are effective is because our minds and our eyes go straight to the before. The, the transformation is powerful, not because of the after, but what we see in the before picture. And so it's important for us to know our before and expressing and knowing our story. And this is why you need to be able to share it because that helps someone know just the impact of what Christ has done. When you can share what your life was like before Jesus, it shows the impact of what Jesus actually did. But here's the reality. You don't have to have this dramatic story full of just um, crazy uh, stories of where you were before Christ. We often think that we have to be a former meth addict or former hell's angel to have a great story about Christ. But the reality is, if you are saved by Jesus, if you are a believer in Christ, that is a miracle in itself. And there's a passage in Ephesians that helps us see that, and it's Ephesians 2. Let me read it for you. Uh, and it says this about every single believer. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. All of us, before we were followers of Jesus, we were dead 
spiritually dead because of our sins. That right there is a miracle that we are now alive in Christ, that we were once dead and we are now alive in Him. So you don't need to have this crazy, depraved background or previous history because the reality is if you are in Christ, that means that is a miracle in itself. You were dead and that is a perfect story to share before Christ. That is compelling. You were dead and now you're alive in Jesus. It's necessary to know our life before Jesus and share that and craft that in our story. But it's also essential that we express and craft in our story how we met Jesus. And that's the second part of our story is how I met Jesus. When the man returns, the now seeing man, when he returns from washing his eyes in the pool and he sees his neighbors, they don't recognize him. Remember that? And the, the man insists, they really say, it's me. And they insist what happened. And this is what he says to them specifically. And he explains, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. Then he told me to go wash in the pool. So I did what he said. And now... I can see. It's unclear why Jesus used mud. We don't know why. That's just what he did. The only clear thing about this is the man's sight. The man's sight is now clear. But what I want you to know is that uh, and understand is that this, the mud part of this, is just to clearly show the power of Jesus's miracles and who he was. One of our favorite things to do, me and my wife, when we meet new couples is to ask them their story of how they met. You get some of the best stories. And if you asked my wife and I how we met, there's two different stories. She has the better story and the funnier one. Um, But each couple has a unique story. And we love hearing those stories because it helps us appreciate the relationship of that couple. It helps us appreciate their love for each other and helps us appreciate their uh, togetherness. And so we love asking that. And the same is true when you share your story of how you met Jesus too. When you share how you met Jesus, whether if it was at a church camp uh, and you responded to the speaker's message or it was in the dorm room of your college and you were reading the Bible for the first time, Wherever your story was or where it happened, it matters because it makes it more real and it helps the listener engage in your story as well. It makes it tangible. Oftentimes we think following Jesus is this mystic, ethereal experience. But when you share the how, it makes it more real for the listener. So when you're thinking about how you met Jesus, think about the people in and around your life. Think about the circumstances. Think about the location, the scene. Think about all the parts that made up the how of how you met Jesus. And there's one question I want to give you as you think about that uh, to kind of uh, summarize the how, and it's this. When and where did Jesus become real to you? When and where did Jesus become real to you? For me, Jesus first became real uh, at a summer camp in Lookout Mountain, Georgia in the year 2000. And there I prayed a simple prayer. I said, Jesus, if you're real, would you impact my life? That simple prayer in that setting was how Jesus became real to me for the first time. But what is it for you? 
When was the first time Jesus became real in your life? Once you have that moment in your mind and you've been able to craft that and get all the, the parts and the players and the characters and the scenes together and you're ready to practice it and share with others, um, you can actually pivot after you finish that and you can, as you share it with others, this is actually a good time to pivot because you sharing how you met Jesus might be the thing and the part in someone else's story of how they meet Jesus too. So after you fi uh, finish your part of how you've met Jesus in your life since Jesus, you can say, hey, it's that simple. Would you like to follow Jesus right now? And you can stop after sharing your story. If you feel uh, like they're ready and they want to, you can stop and pray this simple prayer like this. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm ready to follow you as my Savior and the Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness and eternal life. Help me to live for you as you live in and through me. Amen. That simple prayer can be the story of that person as they share how they met Jesus. So you can be a part of someone's story and how they later tell how they met Jesus too. So it's important that we're able to know how we met Jesus because it helps the person that is listening know that following Jesus can be a real thing. And it can also help them. Um, you can also be a part of their story of how they follow Jesus too. So we've learned that it's important to know where we were before Jesus, how we met him, and finally, the third part of crafting our story that we share about Jesus is this. It's part three. My life since Jesus. I love what the man says. Now he is seeing. I love when he's consistently asked, hey, how did this happen? How did this happen? In the story, he's asked multiple times. And he finally says, hey, I don't know what happened here. But the one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The full impact of this story is the culmination of that statement. I can now see. I now see for the first time. My eyes are open. I have vision. I have clarity. And for my entire life, I was blind. But now I can see. And the same thing is true for us. Our lives since Jesus is so crucial to crafting our story because it's the thing that actually legitimizes our Jesus story. If we don't have a radically changed life after following Jesus, then following Jesus probably is not a real thing in our lives. But as I say that, I know that there are some of you watching today that may not be a follower of Jesus. And you probably have had some interactions with some followers of Jesus that don't look a lot different. You knew them before their conversion and you knew them after. And you're thinking, there wasn't a whole lot of difference in their lives. But what I wanna to say to you right now is one, I know that's a real thing. There's hypocritical Christians out there. And I, I'm one of them. I've done things and said things that are completely contrary to what the Bible has said. I'm not perfect. And I just wanna say, I, or just acknowledge that there are hypocritical Christians out there, and I'm sorry. But I also want to say that if you're a true follower of Jesus, you're not going to have a long mark or a long stretch of hypocrisy. That just doesn't happen for a genuine believer. 
And Jesus actually has harsh words for that follower. He says this, you hypocrites. Look at that. Those are some strong words. You hypocrites. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If a person's life is consistently marked with Christian hypocrisy, the reality is, is their hearts are far from Jesus and they are not a genuine Christian. But with most things, I'm still speaking to the person that is not a follower who has had a bad experience with Christians being hypocrites. But like I said, with most things, a bad experience, just one, can shape and drive our assumptions from that moment on. And, and even though those assumptions are there, sometimes those assumptions may not be true. But for every Christian um, that is, has been strong in her, their hypocrisy, let, just hear me out on this. I, I could probably guarantee that I could bring two to three other Christians that make Jesus and His church look glorious. And so often we think that all Christians are like that. But I know a lot of gracious, loving Christians that honor Jesus and love Him well and make Him look worthy of following. And if you're watching online, and if you've never been to Connect Church, I actually want to encourage you to go to Connect Church and, and go there because I guarantee you, you will meet at least one, maybe two, maybe three, and a whole lot more of genuine Christians that will love you and help unravel your assumptions about hypocritical Christians. Connect Church is a great church. It's not a perfect church. It's a great church, and I encourage you to check it out. And maybe your assumptions about hypocritical Christians could be challenged and unraveled. But for the believer, as you think about your life since Christ, it's important to share your story about what it's like since you followed Him. And as you think about maybe the before part, maybe you struggled with anger or depression. So when you uh, start to craft your new life since Christ, um, look at the before and then describe the after. You know, you no longer struggle with deep moments of bitter anger. Now you experience more highs of joy and no longer do you struggle with deep, dark moments of depression. You have um, strong moments of happiness and satisfaction. But as I say that, what's important to know is that as you shape your story since Jesus, you're going to have ups and downs. The point here on this is not to paint some perfect life. There are going to be moments where you're angry and there's going to be moments where you're depressed in the Christian walk. And so it's, it's not... Um, it's important to know that don't paint your life in this perfect way because we have ups and downs. The reality is that as you craft this, it's not to paint a perfect picture because only Jesus is perfect. What the reality is is that you need to craft your life since Jesus in a way that shows an immediate and gradual transformation where you express that your desires have changed and that your outlook on, look, uh, your outlook on life has changed too. The, the goal is not perfection. The goal is Jesus. So, let's put all of this together. Part one, part two, and part three. And I just want to give you an example of how these kind of work together, the synergy of all of these three things, and a 30-second example 
of a story that you can share. Here it is. My life before Christ, I was a bitter teen. I was angry at my parents for abandoning me. But a youth pastor, aware of my story, told me about how Jesus would never let me down. But it wasn't until summer camp that Jesus finally became real to me. Tired of being tired, I cried out, Jesus, if you are real, would you impact my life? And he did. My life was radically changed and it's been different ever since. I've been able to heal from my abandonment and I've been able to forgive my parents. That's my story. That's my 30 second story about how Jesus changed my life. And it's short and it's condensed because I've told it a lot of times. I've shared it a lot of times and I've been able to craft those three parts in that story. My life before Jesus, how I met him, and then my life since. And that's what we're asking you to do today, is to craft that story. But as we continue, I talked about several reluctancies of sharing our story. That's a big ask for us to do as believers, to share our story. And we certainly um, have uh, covered the, the reluctancy of, of not being a theological, uh, th uh, theologian uh, or an eloquent speaker. But now the reluctancy of maybe I don't want to impose my beliefs or um, I just feel uncomfortable doing it. I want to help uh, with those reluctancies as we finish up here because it's important that we address those um, with a mind shift. And what I'm saying, what I mean by that is we want to shift our mind from being a storyteller to a seed planter. To help with those reluctancies, we need to shift our mind from being a storyteller to a seed planter. What do I mean by that? Well, I want to tell you about a scripture in 1 Corinthians 3 where the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the New Testament writings, and we read something from him earlier, and he started a lot of churches, is addressing a controversy in the church. There's a controversy of uh, who's the better preacher in uh, this church. Is it Apollos or is it Paul? And he resolves this by saying this. He says this to the church. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. What Paul is saying here is that the power of our story or the power of a sermon is not the power itself but the power comes from God. The power is from God. So when you share your story of Jesus, how he's changed your life, you're not sharing a story that's changing someone. You're planting a seed. You see that? You're planting a seed or you're cultivating the seed. That's what Paul is saying here. He planted a seed and then Apollos watered it. And that is our role in this as we share our story. Because ultimately, God is the one that is growing that seed. So when we feel like our story of Jesus is imposing on someone else's beliefs, I want you to envision in your mind that you're not imposing, that I want you to see that your story is actually a seed. A seed is never imposing and it's small and it's subtle. It is there. But what this also does is allow us, um, when we think about our story being a seed or, or we see us as a cultivator, 
It allows us to never take it personal if someone rejects our story about Jesus. Do you see that? We don't have to take it personally if someone rejects it because our job is to be a planter or cultivator. Jesus and God are the way that seed grows. God is the grower of that seed. But how does this help us when we're feeling uncomfortable? How do we feel like, what do we do when the pressure is on when we're sharing our story? Well, you need to continue to think to be a seed planter or a cultivator. Because when we think about it, when we think about it in that way, that tells us it's never up to us. God is the grower of the seed. So the pressure is off. It's never up to us. Our job, our role in this is to be a planter or a cultivator. That is for us. The pressure is totally off. So when we find ourselves in an opportunity to share our story of Jesus, we can have confidence and we can be comfortable doing so because we are the planter or the cultivator and God is the grower of that seed. But as we think about this blessed strategy, begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve, and share. It's helpful that we see the rest of that as ways to plant seeds and to cultivate seeds. When you do all of those things, those are actually ways as you plant seeds and cultivate seeds in a person's spiritual journey. And the reality is you and I don't know where a person is in their spiritual journey. We don't know. We don't know if there's a seed already been planted and we're cultivating it or we're the first seed planting it. We don't know where they are. However, we do know where we are on the spiritual journey, that we're planters and that we're cultivators. So when you fully adopt this bless method, this bless strategy, particularly sharing your story, know that rejection is never personal. And there's never pressure for you to save anyone. God is the grower of that seed. But as we close, I wanna challenge you with two applications here. And it's just rehashing what we've been talking about today. It's this, craft your three-part story. Craft it, sit down and craft it. it, it it's gonna take some time to condense that 30-second um, kind of elevator speech, but I want you to craft it. Sit down with a piece of paper or on your laptop and type that out and craft your three-part story. What was your life before Jesus? How did you actually meet Jesus? And what is your life since Jesus? Craft it out, memorize it, know it, practice it, share it, and be ready to be a seed planter or a cultivator of seeds as well. Do that. Remember, you don't have to be an eloquent speaker to help impact somebody's life for Jesus. And you don't need a bunch of theology and a bunch of scripture memorized to do it either. All you need is a short story crafted around how Jesus met you where you are, how he changed you and your life since. And number two, the second thing we wanna challenge you with in this is to adopt a mindset of a seed planter and cultivator. It's never personal. And the pressure is always off when we have this mindset of being a planter and a cultivator. And so what this means for us, uh, Connect Church and the local church, is that means that we're scattering seeds all the time. And that we're always ready to cultivate and water seeds as we go. When you adopt this mindset, you begin to see every interaction with people throughout your day as a way to bless them. And it's this bless. Every interaction with people is an opportunity to bless them.
I get fired up thinking about blessing people. I get fired up thinking about this vision of beginning with prayer, uh, listening, eating with people, serving people, and sharing our stories with others. I get fired up thinking about Connect Church being all in with this. And I get fired up thinking about the local church getting all in with this. Because you know why? Because I envision many, many, many seeds being scattered in our area and Lone Tree for you guys and Old Town Arvada for us. I envision many seeds planted and many uh, seeds cultivated and watered as we go because sometimes this takes time. Relationally driven churches and movements take time. And as we cultivate that, we see many relationships grow into growing with Jesus. And as we, we plant many seeds and cultivate many seeds, I envision together a great harvest of many people following Jesus and then declaring and proclaiming their story as well. That is my vision for us as we adopt this method of sharing our stories. We believe that every believer has a story to share. So today, who can you share your story with? Who can you share your Jesus story with? We encourage you to pray about that and do that this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you that all of our stories have one thing in common. If we're a follower of you, they all have one thing in common, and that's you have saved us. That you came into our lives when we needed you the most. And so, Father, I pray that the, 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 the common theme with all the stories that we craft is that, Jesus, you were there when we needed you the most. And so, Father, help us to sit down and craft these, these stories in such a way that are effective seeds that are planted in the lives of many, many people. I pray that we would feel comfortable and that we would have confidence doing this because this is what you've asked us to do. Help us to never take it personal because this is... This is your story that we're sharing. It's ultimately not really ours, it's yours. And then help us to also not feel the pressure of doing it as well. Give us the confidence and the uh, sense of being comfortable in doing it and just help us be relaxed in doing it because we know this has worked for us and so we have the confidence that it can work for other people too. But Father, I pray that we would never grow weary in doing good, that we would never grow weary in sharing our story with others. Every believer, every person in Christ has a story to share. Help us to share it well for your glory, for your name, and so that other people would see how great you are. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.